You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Today we are privileged to have a prophet in the house. And how many of you love prophets? You know, they speak the word of the Lord, they give us guidance, and I believe they, they, they give us a fresh uh, manna from the heart of God. Pastor Tom Hammond is uh, not a first-time uh, guest here in our church. In fact, he ministered here last year, and he's here again because uh, they're training, I think, about 125 people in the School of Empowerment uh, all over uh, our churches in Victory. And we've sent four of our people there in that class right now, together with Pastor Jim Lafoon. Uh, pastor Tom Hammond serves with his wife, Jane, as a senior pastor of Vision Church at Christian International. In their nearly 30 years of ministry together, they have built a thriving local church, traveled to more than 50 nations, and helped to lead Christian international ministries founded by his father, Dr. Bill Hammond. As an apostolic leader, Tom is frequently invited to speak at national and international conferences, churches, and Bible colleges. He is a contributing author for Peter Wagner's book, Pastors and Prophets, Protocol for Healthy Churches, a member of the International Council of Apostles, and the Apostolic Council of Prophetic Elders. Tom attended Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas, and Life Bible College in Los Angeles, California. In 2005, he was awarded an honorary doctorate of divinity from Christian International School of Theology. Dr. Tom and his wife, Jane, reside in beautiful Santa Rosa Beach, not in Laguna, but in Florida, okay? Uh, surrounded by their children. Uh, they have three children that are grown up. Though he's really still young, he's just 56 years old, same age as Pastor Sunny. Uh, close. He's got three children and six grandchildren. Ongoing. One is on the way, so another one is going to be added there. Seven. And so, Pastor Sunny, you better catch up, okay? Uh, he's got one uh, oncoming. Okay. So, Pastor Tom, I really appreciate his ministry because he ministered to us prophetically in our church last year. And I believe that God has spoken a word. And I believe God will continue to speak this morning. And I want you all to open your hearts to receive a word from the prophet. It's all welcome, Pastor Tom Hammond. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's such a privilege to be here again in Alabang. And we, uh, we just love being in the Philippines. What a wonderful anointing is here already. Can we just give the team a hand in worship and yeah. all that they've been doing just to lead us forth? What a powerful team that you have and that God's given to you. And we so love and appreciate uh, the team of Victory and, and Every Nation and having the opportunity to come and minister to some of the leaders and just impart God's heart. You know, I have uh, the privilege, as I said, to go around the uh, nations of the world, but I honestly say wherever I go that the Filipino people are the most beautiful people I know both inside and out. Amen? And I believe that is true. Uh, it's so powerful to have the word of the Lord and have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the house of God to welcome what God is saying, what God is doing in the midst of the church, to be open, to hear the word of the Lord. And it is that release of heaven that causes us to advance in every season in our life. And so if you would just agree with me right now, uh, I want to just agree that that anointing will come. I believe that God has a divine appointment for everyone here. Turn to somebody and say, God has a divine appointment for you today. 
And you know, when you have a divine appointment, you know what you receive? A divine assignment. And that means that when God meets with you, he has something for you to do for him. And so if you would uh, just stretch forth your hand to Pastor Sonny. I want to bless him right now. The Lord says, son, I want you to know I heard your cry when you said, Lord, I'm willing to bide my time. And surely you waited upon me in a season that was not easy. And I began to test you there and to begin to show you things that you would not have seen any other way. And in that place, you began to cry out for a fresh grace. And I want you to know, son, this is the day that the apostolic anointing is going to come upon you in a brand new way. And the demonstration of my kingdom is going to be made manifest through you. For I've made you to be a multinational man for the anointing that will grow and glow through you. will go to many lands, into many places. And I also called you to have a multi-generational anointing as well. For you shall minister to three generations at once, says the Lord. And you will have a voice that will penetrate past the walls of pride and past the things that would divide. And I will cause there to be a synergy and a connectedness that will happen in this hour that will begin to shift even in the middle of the churches, even in the middle of the cities and in the middle of the nations. For you will be sent at times as a voice in the middle of great uh, dissension where people will be at odds with one another and they will not see things rightly. But I'm going to give you a grace to cause them to look, to laugh, to open up and to be able to see things from different points of view that will bring unity and will bring great strength. So the Lord says, son, I'm with you. Don't be afraid of the things that I will do with you in this next season because even when media opens up, don't be afraid because I'll cause you to go through that door with confidence and people will receive the anointing because it will not just be you. It'll be me in you flowing on a whole new level, says the Lord. Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. You're so blessed with anointed men and women. Pastor Ariel, if you wouldn't just mind standing right now. The Lord says, as you stand today, the Lord says, son, I want you to know that you have stood up for me in many times when it was not easy. For surely you went through your times of temptation. There was a temptation of grief where the enemy thought he would put you in that place where you would not break through from the devastation, the difficulty that you walked through. There was a temptation of gain where you could have gone after the money and said, I have the ability. I can do those things. And then there was that temptation of the good where you would say, well, God, this is good enough. This is okay. And the Lord says, no, you're called to great things, my son. So the Lord says, because you did not settle, I want you to know there's an inheritance in the land for you and that you're going to find that I'm going to open up even an anointing and a door of anointing for you that's not just in the churches, but in the community. There's going to be a new honoring and a new release, even of an open heart. And you're going to find prominent people are going to even seek you out and you won't even be thinking about it. And there they are knocking on your door, calling and asking, will you pray? for me. This is what's happening right now. You're going to begin to be in an inner circle where people will share the secret things with you. And the Lord says, you've been like one in hiding. You've been a secret that's now it's time to be revealed, says the Lord. And so this is an opportunity that I have for my kingdom to advance. So the Lord says, don't think it's about you. Don't think I got to be small because I don't want to be lifted in pride. The Lord says, I took you through that time where you were tested and you came through as pure gold, says the Lord. And so you're going to be one that will be used powerfully for me. The Lord says, there's a grace upon you and your family as I decreed and you're going to find that whole new level of the anointing and even over your girls I just see a great grace that you're going to be so happy with there's going to be a smile on your face in every season you're going to say Lord look what you have done only you could have done that for me and the Lord says it's because you pressed through when it was not easy give the Lord a hand clap of praise hallelujah the power of the word of the Lord is not just to speak to you about 
where you're going to go and what you're going to do. It's really the power of speaking to your potential, speaking to the true identity that God has inside of you. And that's really what God wants to do. Uh, I know you've been talking about a series here about uh, the commandments of the Lord. How many know it's important to uh, heed the commandments of God? And one of them is a key one is that don't have any other gods before you. Don't begin to look at anything else but me. If you have something between you and the Lord, uh, then that can become an idol. Even good things can become an idol. What you have to be able to say is, God, I want to put you first in everything. And so sometimes things can grow in our hearts, and if you will, they become uh, that thing that we begin to look at first, and we say, well, that's what's going to shape my life. That's what's most important to me. That's what I got to have. That's what I need. And the moment that is not God or something else, then it can become an idol. In the beginning, God created man, and he created him to be one that would worship him. And he said, I'm a jealous God, not because... He has a wrong emotional content there, but rather he is saying, no, I want you to have a single eye, just like a husband would say to his wife, I want you to only love me. And a, a wife would want the same as that there would be that connectedness. Now, my wife and I, we have the awesome privilege of being able to co-labor in ministry. She's preaching at, uh, I think, Quezon City uh, this morning and helps me with ministry, travels the nations of the earth. And she's beautiful and anointed and, and has born three beautiful children for me. And like I said, three, uh, six uh, Great grandchildren, uh, great, uh, not great grandchildren, not that old, reality of grandchildren. I've got my father who's uh, in the Lord that's before me, and he's uh, turning 82 year, years this old uh, this year, and he's uh, traveled uh, about 10 or 12 nations last year. He's going to do the same this year, just going strong uh, for the Lord, you know, and I'm so glad to have uh, a team ministry with my wife and I. Uh, and I'll have to say, I do worship her. But she's not an idol in my life. All right. Hallelujah. How many women here say you like to be worshipped just a little bit? All right. But anyhow, how many know even your family cannot become an idol? Even good things. God said, uh, I didn't, Jesus said, I didn't just come to make everything sweet and nice. Sometimes there will be a sword and it'll divide. Why? Because you have to choose God first. We always say God, family, ministry. And so the first thing is God, whatever he asks of us, we will obey. Next thing is family, because family is what God instituted to change the world in the beginning. That's what God created in the garden. And then ministry flows out of that. And when you have your priorities straight in your life, then everything else works right. Everything else begins to come into that alignment of a blessed place within your life. We want to break generational curses and we want to release generational blessings. I'm a product of a generational blessing. My father at the age of 16 didn't know anything about the Lord and he gave his heart to Jesus. And when he did, now he's traveled the nations. He's ministered to presidents and kings, even to one of the presidents here in the Philippines and ministered in the palace and all those kind of things. Well, how did that happen? Simply because he chose into doing the things that God asked him to first and now his family is blessed now his children are serving the Lord and even serving him and helping him fulfill the calling of God upon his life and so it's key that we get things straight turn to somebody and say you need to get some things straight <laughs> be nice to him and so we're going to talk about something about how God causes us to look at things with a fresh point of view sometimes you have to look again have you ever had somebody that you thought when you first met them they were going to be your enemy and they ended up becoming your best friend? Maybe you're married to them. I don't know. But anyhow, 
So you have to look at things sometimes, not just with that first view, because sometimes that's not accurate, but sometimes God says it's time to look again. So one of the things that you have to look in to the word of God and into life, sometimes we have to look at things and say, God, but what's your point of view? That's what the prophetic does. Sometimes it just adjusts your vision. You saw it, but you didn't see it right. And the power of the prophetic is to help us, if you will, to align ourselves to what God is saying and to believe in his word, even above the things that we're seeing naturally. And so one of the things you have to be willing to look at, I believe, as a Christian is that, God, what is your church? See, the world has tried to define the church in a large respect. And they've tried to say, this is what Christians are like. This is what it is to be a Christian or in the church. But I believe the Lord is decreeing over us is that we have to look in the word and find out what did Jesus have to say? He said, I will build my church. The word in the Greek is ecclesia. The word ecclesia literally was a known term in that day. And in the Greek, it literally meant this. They knew who the ecclesia was. It was the ruling body of Rome, of the city. Uh, it, if, if you will, it was the, the Greek Senate. It was the Roman Senate. It was the, the ruling legislative body in the city. And so when Jesus said, I will build my church, he understood what he was saying. The Romans also used this term this way as a military term that whenever they would conquer a territory, they would send in what they called a military task force named the Ecclesia. And this was their mission. Go in and make this place, this newly conquered territory, look like Rome. And I've been around the world in a lot of places, and you find from London to northern Africa into the Middle East and all throughout the world that they did a good job because they created Roman forums and agoras and all the amphitheaters and on and on. Roman roads went everywhere. And their task was make this place look like Rome. Well, when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church, but I'm going to give them the keys of the kingdom and they're going to affect the heavens and they're going to affect the earth. What they say will unlock or lock up things and the gates of hell won't be stronger than the kind of church that I will build. And so the Lord, I believe, is challenging us to look at the church with a fresh view and understand that we're not just gathered out of the general population just to get together and worship, have fun, and be nice to each other. Those are things that we want to do because we're a family, and that's a key of how we connect. But beyond that, God's saying we also have been given an authority in the name of Jesus, and we have an opportunity to have the keys of heaven and hell, if you will, opening up heaven and shutting down hell and loosing the authority that's given to us in the name of Jesus. You have authority and you are powerful. Turn to somebody and say, wow, I didn't know you were that powerful. <laughs> the church is what Jesus said, I will build and I will establish to get my job done, which was release my kingdom into the earth. The kingdom is the rule and the domain of the king being extended into our community, our city, wherever we go. Then we also have to have that ability to be able to look at ourselves and say, okay, God, well, who am I really? See, part of the prophetic is it speaks to the root of your life, and it begins to speak into who God made you to be from the beginning. And what tries to stop us from being that is what we call lies. The enemy comes and lies to you. He comes to work in the foundation of who you are, and he wants to bring insecurity. He wants to bring confusion. He wants to bring uh, chaos, if you will. He wants you to feel insecure. And the only way you're going to be secure is that you begin to connect to that original identity that God had in mind from the beginning for your life. In fact, it says it this way, when you know the truth, the truth will make you a free person.
And so the power of the prophetic and when God speaks to us, he begins to speak to the truth that's inside of us. Whatever lie, whatever a reputation, whatever the enemy had to say about our life, whatever was passed down generationally, whatever we experienced along the way, God says, that's not the truth of what I have to say. And so I want you to listen to my word first. Don't let there be an idol and, and have any knowledge that would vaunt itself against the knowledge of God. No, you pull that down and say, God, I'm going to believe what you have to say above everything. And when that happens, then all of a sudden what comes to you is a security in your identity and you operate with something called authority. And that's God's heart. And that's what God wants us to do, to be able to look again and see what God really had in mind for you and I from the beginning. And then looking at your circumstances. See, this is a special year. The decree over this year is that it is a year of jubilee. In fact, in uh, uh, Hebrew scholars are decreeing that this is a jubilee of jubilees because a jubilee would happen every 50 years. If you remember when a jubilee happened, then that was when slaves were set free. Uh, those that were indebted, that their indebtedness was totally wiped out. And uh, those that had lost land, then they could receive it back again. And they say that this is the 50-year cycle since the first jubilee, which they say happened at Jericho. What happened at Jericho? God says, this is your inheritance. There are obstacles there, but I'm making a decree over your life. You're supposed to go and take back that which is yours. And so I'm releasing you now with a shout to begin to declare that the walls will fall and you're going to take back your inheritance. The power of Jubilee is to cause you to be reconnected to your inheritance. Wherever you got disconnected, God says, I want to reconnect you. The inheritance that God had in mind for your life, what our brother was saying earlier, where all the names of God are part of your inheritance. That's your father's blood. That's your father's DNA. And the Lord says, this is a part of the blessing that I want to release within your life. And so God says, we have to look again at ourselves. that God's making a decree in this season. We know in Isaiah 61, he said, I have come to set the captive free. He was, if you will, Jesus is our jubilee. So every year is a season of jubilee for a Christian, but in this season, I believe God's doing something significant in all of our, all of our lives. And you know, the only thing that you couldn't receive back in the year of jubilee, as far as land was concerned, was things that were found in a walled city. And we have walls of pride and passivity and different things that we can erect. And the Lord says, you will get everything back, but if it's in a walled city, then it may not come back to you. How many want to let the walls fall and say, God, I want all the inheritance that you have for me. I want to reconnect to that which you made me for and that which you've called me to. And you know what happened when they went into Jericho and there was a walled city? The Lord gave them a strategy and simply said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to shout teruah, which literally is the word for jubilee. And he says, as you shout, the walls will fall. And what will I do? I will bring you back into the land that I promised to your fathers and to you now that you would be reconnected to the blessing I had in mind from the beginning. So can you do this right now? Just lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. There you go. Why do we lift our hands? Because we're connecting to heaven and to our inheritance. And then what are we going to do? We're going to release a jubilee shout. Can we just do that out of our mouth? You know what jubilee literally means? It means the sound of a great shout or the trumpet sound. So can we do that? One, two, three. Jubilee! Hey! Hallelujah! Wow. Sometimes you got to shout doubt out, right? You just got to get it out. 
But God's wanting to reconnect us to our inheritance and what God has called us to. Now, when we're saying look again, it was interesting back in, I think, 2007, 2008, in that time frame. I was talking with Prophet Jim LaFoon, and he was uh, telling me this dream and this vision that he had. And it was kind of a little daunting, you know. He was telling me about uh, a, a vision that the Lord showed to him of these this horse race. And in this horse race, uh, this horse was out front in the race and it was running strong. It looked like no way he would lose, and he was heading down the stretch. And then in this vision, the Lord showed to him, all of a sudden, this horse hit a ditch and broke both it, both of its legs at once. Just a horrific scene. And so he began to go into prayer with, with the Lord. I remember him telling us about this dream. And it was interesting that in that year, in 2008, at the Kentucky Derby there in the United States, for the first time ever, a horse did that very thing, broke both of its legs in the race. And the Lord said to him, to Prophet Jim, was, this is the leg of the American economy and the world economy. And God says, it looks like everything's going strong and surely going on a winning trend, but it's going to hit break stop right there. And sure enough, if you know anything about 2008, that's what took place. But the encouraging word I received about it, because we definitely experienced it in our place in Florida, um, is that he said, the Lord said it would be a recession and not a depression. And so I said, thank you, Lord. Uh, that's wonderful. But within what the Lord said to me, he said, but son, I want you to understand the real enemy is depression. That the, the assignment from hell was to bring grief and depression upon the church so that we would lose hope and that we would hunker down and that we wouldn't operate the way God would want us to operate in this next season in the earth. And so the enemy had this plan to kind of slap us in the face and try to stop us so that we wouldn't look, look forward with hope and with faith the way God had called us to and begin to advance the kingdom of God. And so what the Lord said to me is that we're going to have to combat that. So I said, well, what is depression all about? So I did what every good preacher would do. I Googled it. Hallelujah. So I looked it up on the Internet. Hallelujah. The interweb. And uh, this is what it said. Clinical uh, depression. Uh, it means that you can't sleep or you sleep too much. You can't concentrate. Easy tasks become hard. You become hopeless, feel helpless. Uh, you begin to be unable to control your negative thoughts. You lose your appetite or you can't stop eating at all. You get irritable. Everybody's stepping on your last nerve. Uh, all of a sudden, you don't think life is worthwhile. You lose your energy. All of a sudden, you begin to have this self-hate, and you begin to lose confidence, and you begin to have unexplained aches and pains and all these kind of things. And so I said, Lord, there's a loosing of this spirit See, if you have an assignment against your life of loss, then what happens if you have unresolved loss, then anger wants to enter in. If anger enters into your life, it's either going to be expressed outward. If it's expressed outward, it's called aggression. If it's expressed inward, it's called depression. And so if the anger goes inside, then you kind of hunker down and you hold it in. But all of a sudden it works against you. And here are the symptoms that want to come to play within your life or the life of a community. And so I don't know if you've experienced any of these symptoms 
symptoms or not, but some have, or maybe somebody you know or somebody in your family has. And if you want to believe for a breaking of that, I want to just pray for you right now. As we're going through this uh, talk and ministry, I want to believe for a release of the anointing. So if you want to receive something for yourself or somebody you have in mind where you know they're suffering with some of these effects of depression, just lift up your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Come on, don't be ashamed. You're believing for somebody. Maybe you're believing for yourself. Father, as an apostle of God, I take the authority granted unto me in the name of Jesus. And I declare every foul spirit of grief and depression that's come to try to rob people of their hope and to try to blind their eyes where they can't look ahead with faith. We break you now by the authority in the name of Jesus. And I say, be loosed. Under the authority of Jesus today, I decree a shift that will take place that their eyes will begin to open and their heart will begin to beat again and that there will be a fresh wave of joy and of hope and laughter back upon their face and their heart. They're not going to walk under a cloud, but they're going to walk free. I decree it now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe that, you've got to clap to the Lord. You've got to receive that by faith and you've got to say, I claim that and I lay hold of it by the power of God. Now, there was a time, if you remember, uh, Elisha had a double portion upon his life, and he was being used powerfully by the Lord as a prophet of God. And if you remember, there's a story there found in Kings, and all of a sudden there was this robbery that was going on. The assignment of the enemy was happening in the city. It was happening in the country. It was uh, attacking people and taking advantage, and there was always these plans and schemes going on. But there became a day that all of a sudden uh, that Elisha began to utilize his anointing and he began to see the plans of the enemy before they would come to pass and so in the middle of that he began to say uh, you know what the enemy's coming up this way this is a strategy and they would begin to work against it and every time the enemy's plans were stopped in fact, I can remember uh, a number of years ago, my wife uh, received a prophetic word. I think it was from Kim Clement. And he said, uh, I see you, uh, you young lady, come up here. God's given you uh, an ability to see the wolf and to see the snake. And God gave her a spirit of discernment that day. And I remember my dad laying hands upon her and activating that anointing. And there was a season that we entered into uh, a great spiritual awareness and just engaging in spiritual warfare and dealing with some of the plans of the enemy in our territory and the nations of the earth. And she still used powerfully that kind of way but we were kind of pioneering our church and it was a small church with a modular building and I remember one day that we were walking through that church and uh, I had gone on before her and so I was outside and she was walking through the building by herself and almost as she was walking she heard this voice behind her say I'm going to kill you she turned around of course and looked and looked everywhere and there was nobody else in the building and then she had this succession of dreams where she would have a dream. And in the middle of the dream, uh, she would see this demon show up, very ugly, very violent demon, look her in the eye and say, I'm going to kill you. Very threatening. And she had that dream once. She had it twice. And so she told it to me, of course, and we began to pray. We began to intercede about this. And then she had that dream the third time. And this time in the dream, something different took place. When she had this dream, she looked back at the demon and she says, well, I think if you were going to kill me, you would have done it already. And then the demon looked at her, this threatening thing, and then it got kind of sheepish, kind of looked back, and she said she saw the hand of God pushing that demon forward, pointing and saying, you tell her. Well, what was that about? Well, what we understood was 
God was forcing that demon to tell my wife what his plans were. Now, God wasn't doing that to make her get afraid, stop doing ministry and decide I'm just going to hunker down and take care of my family. I'm never going to do anything God's called me to do anymore. No, what God was doing was exposing the plan of the enemy, not to intimidate us, but to give us the information that we needed to understand what was taking place and do what? Stop the plans of the enemy. God will give you revelation, not so that you can run away, but that you can run to the battle and understand the strategies that are unfolding. And so that was what was happening with Elijah. And finally, the king got so frustrated because all of his plans were being stopped uh, that he turned and he said to his guys, there's a spy amongst us. We're going to start killing people until I find out who it is. And somebody finally stopped. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't kill us. Don't kill us. It's not us. It's that prophet over in Israel, Elijah. And so the king got his army together and he went and he surrounded uh, Elisha and his servant one night all by themselves. And they woke up in the morning and they looked around and the servant said, oh, my God, we're dead men. I mean, it's over. There's no hope. Look, there's thousands of guys out there and they surrounded just the two of us. We're in big trouble. And so he woke up. Elisha said, Elisha, Elisha, you got to wake up, man. We're in bad straits. We're about to go bankrupt. Now, somebody's getting ready to die. We're going to go into captivity. It's a really bad day. And if you remember the story, you can see it on the screen there, is Elisha turns back to the servant and says, hey, hey, we're fine. Because more are they that are with us than all those out there. And the, the servant looks back to the man of God and he starts going, uh, let's see, can I, you can count, but I'm, I'm having a hard time. There's uh, one, two, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 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 Thousand two, uh, man, have you been out in the desert in the sun a little too long, Elisha? It doesn't make any sense. And what happened? Elisha said, son, come over here. Let me do something for you. Let me lay my hands upon you. When I am done, something's going to happen. God is going to open your eyes. And when that happened, he laid hands upon the servant. All of a sudden, his eyes were opened, it says. And when he looked, he saw the armies of God surrounding all the enemy, the chariots of fire, the mighty host of the angelic forces that rose up and that he was saying in the spirit he could see the greater reality of what he was facing in the natural and he says surely greater are they that are with us than all the enemy has planned sometimes there are moments in time where I will wake up and, you know, uh, my wife will come to me and she'll say, honey, I'm having a hard day. Uh, man, I just don't see it right. Can you pray for me? And there are other days I'll say, honey, I think I need your hands on my eyes today. Will you pray for me? There are days that my daddy, my, my, my father has been in ministry for 60 years and a bishop over thousands and traveled the nations and done all kinds of great things that he will pray for me and help me to see things rightly. But there are other times he may say, Tom, will you pray for me today? How many know the reality is we all need each other? And sometimes you need somebody else to pray for you that what? Your eyes will be open to be able to see the reality, the greater reality of what God wants to do through you and for you. God's not trying to intimidate you. God's not trying to put you in a place that's difficult. He just wants you to understand that what you're seeing naturally is not the whole story. In Joel 3 and 10, it says, let the weak say I am strong. Do you know literally it means let the weak say I am a warrior? Turn to somebody and say, I am a warrior. Watch out. Something you got to overcome is something called fear. What's wrong with fear? 
Let me just throw you some things that you need to understand out there. One, fear will always bring you into bondage. Two, fear will always bring torment into your life. Three, fear will break your focus. We have a saying in American football in the U.S. that when a receiver is going out to catch the ball and the safety is coming down to hit him hard, that he gets alligator arms if he doesn't catch the ball. What that means is he sees the hit coming and he pulls his arm in and then he doesn't catch the ball. But how many understand he's going to get hit either way? So he might as well stretch out and catch it and maybe score and advance. So the Lord's saying, don't let it break your focus. Keep your eye on the prize. Fear will also cause you to be afraid of life. Literally, it's called paranoia. You're afraid to go outside. You're afraid of things that are natural and normal and good for you. Because why? The enemy has got a grip in your life. It's not to be ashamed of. It's just saying that God wants you to be free. Fear will cause you to break good relationships. So put your hand on your heart and let me pray for you. Father, I loose the spirit of faith that will break the assignment of fear off of each person's life here today. That they're not going to live a limited small life. They're not going to live afraid of life. They're not going to be afraid of good things. They're not going to break relationships out of fear. They're not going to break trust out of fear. They're not going to run away from the battle because of fear. They're not going to be tormented and held in bondage. They're not going to be broken all of their life because fear has such a grip upon them. I decree in the name of Jesus is enough is enough. And it's time for the captives to be let out of the prison house and for them to go free. And so we break the assignments of fear that we will not serve fear because it rules our life, but by faith we can serve God and do what is right in His sight. And so we loose that anointing now. Take a deep breath and receive the spirit of faith. Sometimes you've got to look again and say, I'm not going to look in fear. I'm going to look in faith. Remember in 1 Kings 18 that the prophet Elijah was living in a tough day. It was a day when Jezebel was ruling. The spirit of witchcraft was having its way. Perversity was there in the public square. It was just a horrible season. Ahab wasn't doing anything. And so here it was that uh, all this perverse witchcraft, occultic power is being displayed and doing its thing. Uh, and he had to live in that day. And there came a day where he said, okay, God, I'm a prophet. I'm going to begin to confront this uh, spirit of Baal and the prophets of Baal. And I'm going to begin to make a decree. And he made a decree and he said i tell you what for three and a half years i'm decreeing the this all the rain is going to stop all the crops are going to die there's just going to be a drought in the land until i say differently wow what a word and it came to pass and then there came a day he said i'm going to confront the prophets of baal and he did that publicly and all of a sudden there was a breaking off of that spirit of rich witchcraft they dealt a, a blow to that root that was in the land and god said yes now at your word I will begin to shift the atmosphere. And if you remember, Elijah decrees the drought is over. Now the judgment is over. Now is a new day. And I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Just to tell you that the word in the Hebrew there, abundance, is the word hammon. So when you say abundance of rain, it's a good thing. It also means challenge, right? And it also means a good pork meal or something like that. Anyhow, hammon is a good name. The abundance of rain. But you know what happened? Elijah declares the drought is over. The curse is broken. It's time for the abundance of rain. And he says, servant, go and see if that word isn't coming to pass or not. And so the servant runs out. It's all right, man of God. Let me check it out. Whoa, it's got to be happening now. I know it. I heard that word. It was a powerful word. Did you like that word? I like that word. It was a great word, man. Let's see. 
Um, well, yeah, I, I, I looked, but no change. No change. Are you kidding? We'll go again. Okay, okay, all right. Whoa, let's see. It's coming now. I know. I feel the wind. It's got to be here somewhere. Where? Where is it? Oh, um, no change. Go, go again three times. Wow, this is getting embarrassing. Um, no, no change. We'll go four times, five times, six times. Whew, no change. I think it's a false word. Somebody messed up. Uh, it, was, it sounded great when I heard it, but look, nothing's happening. What if the servant had stopped at six times? And he wouldn't be willing to look one more time. But then he goes out one more time and he looks and he says, Oh, well, yeah, about, about a cloud that big. Yeah, well, okay, it's something, I guess. Hey, man of God, I want to tell you, um, I saw something and it was like a cloud, um, you know, like that big. And Elijah goes, Whoa, hallelujah, that's it, that's it, everything's changed. Oh, that's the thing that we've been looking for. Come on, you kidding me? You saw what? Sometimes you've got to be willing to take that indication, that slight move where God begins to say, this is how the reversal is going to happen. This is where the shift is taking place. This is now the beginning of what I promised to you. Now you've got to lay hold of it because the sound of abundance of rain is going to be loosed and you're going to begin to run like ones that have never run before and the curse is broken over the land. Let me just give you one more little decree as we finish up this morning that I want you to take away with you. I know there's a scripture in there that says test yourself to see if you're in the faith or not. And how many know how you test yourself? Sometimes you test yourself because you find out how much joy and expectation you have about the promise. And you find out what your mouth is saying. If you want to know if you're in faith, listen to your mouth and see what you're feeling. If you have joy and expectation, that's faith at work. If you have dread and fear... Something else is at work in your life. All right, lastly, let's look here in Mark chapter 8 as we finish up. It says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. And so he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Thank you. Apostle Tom, that's a wonderful word. Here's a beggar. He's blind. Doesn't even know what's coming his way. And they come and say, Jesus, will you do something? First thing you know, Jesus, he leads them out of town. I think I know why. He's getting ready to spit in his face. Then he's going to rub it in a little bit. And then he's going to say, hey, how you doing now? I don't know. I've been in a lot of cultures around the world. But I think in every culture I've ever been in, spitting in somebody's face is about the worst thing that you could do. Is that true in the Philippines? Spit in his face, then rubbed it in, and then asked him, how's that? So he asked him if he saw anything, and he looked up and he said, well, I see men walking like trees. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because we're going to start a healing line right here. <clears throat> I'm getting ready to anoint you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. No. All right. He looked up and he said, I see men walking like trees. Listen. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Will you stand up and lift up your hands with me? And this is what I want to say to you.
Sometimes you're saying, God, I want to be healed. God, I want to be right. I want to get things right in my life. And God says, okay. But what I have as a process for you to receive, to be healed, may feel very offensive to your flesh. And you may say, God, really? Is this what it takes? And the question the Lord would ask back to you, do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be set free? Well, the muddy Jordan, I don't want to have to go down there. Do you want to be free of leprosy? That's what he said to Naaman. Come on, lift up your hands if you're willing to say to the Lord. Even, you know, he said, come back again. Let me minister. First time you spit in my face. It doesn't say he did that again. But you know what? That blind man was willing. Why? Because he still didn't get all of it. He got part of the restoration, but he didn't got all of it. And so he said, I don't care. I'd rather go through some humiliation. I'd rather go through some difficulty. I may be offended in my flesh. I don't care. I want to do whatever it takes to be free. And I want to see everything clearly. So if that's your cry to the Lord right now, I want you to just lift your hands to Him. And let's just agree right now that God would receive that heart. That we're saying, God, I don't have to get it a certain way. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be sweet and nice. If you're taking me through some difficulty, some hardship, some things that feel offensive to my flesh, and I'm saying, really, God, this is what you're going to require of me. Even Jesus, if you remember, he said, if this cup could pass from me, God, if there's any other way, please. And yet the Father said, no, this is the way. You've got to go to the cross. It may feel like a humiliation. It may feel like people smiting you, insulting, mocking you, doing things that hurt deep and yet in the midst of that he says at the end of the day I'm going to bring redemption I'm going to bring healing I'm going to bring restoration I'm going to do a powerful work through your life because you are willing to say God it's not about me it's about you I want to receive everything I want to look again with a clear view I want to have all things restored and I'm willing to go through what I have to to get it right And so, Father, this is our commitment and this is our cry out to you. God, help us to be like that blind man and just say, I need you, God. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever you ask of me, I will do because I want to be free and I want to serve you that way. And now, would you just take hands with one another as we finish up today? Just turn to somebody and say, will you pray for me? Just say that. Turn it. Come on. Turn to somebody and say, will you pray for me? Why are we saying that? Because sometimes we need somebody else to pray for us that our eyes will be open. So right now, just pray for one another. That if they're seeing just the natural, they're seeing what looks like it's an impossible odds, they're seeing the circumstance that they're facing, will you squeeze their hand and pray for them? God, open their eyes that they can see rightly. Open their eyes that they'll see the spiritual reality. They'll see the, the, the angels that are on assignment for them. They'll see the truth of your word. They'll feel your heartbeat. They'll know that you're fighting for them. You're working for them. That they'll know that there's a greater reality than what they have faced so far. That you're going to cause them to look again with faith and to open their heart we loose right now the ability we say eyes open up eyes open up now in the name of jesus christ we loose that grace and that promise and that purpose in the name of jesus and as we finish up what's your name 
Daniel, the Lord says, son, I want you to know that even though you walked through a deep, dark place in your life and you felt like you were going to give up and the enemy slapped you in the face and you felt the disgrace of what you had to walk through and yet you chose into my heart and my promise and my purposes. And the Lord says, son, even in the midst of your brokenness, there came an openness to my spirit. There was almost like an assignment of demonic uh, uh, angels that came against you that began to cloud your night. And the Lord says, I want you to know I'm coming with the brightness of my glory into the midst of even the dark crevices that you've had to walk through. I see certain rooms where you've been afraid to go into them. But the Lord says, son, this is a new day that you're going to break open the way, not just for yourself and your family, but for those that you see that are hidden away in dark places. And the Lord says, son, you're going to be a great hand of righteousness and justice into the land, says the Lord. For you've had a heart and you don't like injustice and you've seen corruption and the effect of it. You've seen addiction and how it begins to rob even dignity and you've seen the assignment that the enemy has loosed and even they had to deal with it very personally around about you and the Lord says son you are an overcomer and you're one that I've set with a voice that will be heard and the Lord says where you were demeaned and denigrated you felt like people would not listen to what you had to say and you pleaded and you felt like death knocked on the door with certain people's life and you couldn't do what you wanted to for them but the Lord says son because you prayed and interceded many will be saved and you set the stage not just for your success but to be blessed in this life and the Lord says even prosperity you're going to find that you're not going to live in poverty but there's going to be a new level of success that's coming to you and the Lord says yes I heard your heart that says I'll sacrifice but the Lord says now your sacrifice is setting the stage for covenant blessing so I loose that upon Daniel now and I decree he has a voice in the community that will be heard in Jesus name come on give the Lord a shout of praise God you're great in all the earth